0: Hi everyone, and welcome to this episode of Coogee Voice. Today we're talking with Kane Slater from the Kari Foundation, which is recognised as one of the nation's leading Aboriginal service providers. In today's episode, we talk about the work that the Kari Foundation is doing and its seven pillars, in particular sport and healthy lifestyle. We discuss this year's Reconciliation Week theme, the need to establish a Wollama court, as well as the issues around Indigenous procurement. You're listening to Coogee Voice.
1: Yes, uh, the Kari Foundation is the largest Aboriginal charity in Australia and uh, we we have programs that are spread out across New South Wales, Queensland, but no geographical boundary. We work across multiple programs that, I guess, encourage and promote Aboriginal excellence, whether that's in health or sport and education, but also brings on non-Indigenous people to, you know, celebrate and be part of culture as well. We run education programs, so everything from transitioning young people into primary school, high school. We have 200 young people on scholarship programs across years 10, 11 and 12, but also support young people through university. We have uh, Aboriginal employment programs where it's based around culture and, and getting young people to have respect for themselves and others, and then
0: Kane, welcome to Coogee Voice. How are you going today?
1: Uh, excellent. Thanks for inviting me.
0: It is my pleasure. Now, before we get into talking about the Curry Foundation, what do you love most about the eastern suburbs?
1: Oh, it's the beautiful beaches and the people, and you wouldn't want to live anywhere else. It's uh, yeah, the best place to live in, uh, on Earth.
0: I couldn't agree more. Now, CARI is recognised as one of the nation's leading Aboriginal service providers. Can you tell us a bit about the organisation and the work you do?
1: Yes, yeah, so the CARI Foundation is the largest Aboriginal charity in Australia, and uh, we, we have programs that are spread out across New South Wales, Queensland, but no geographical boundary. We work across multiple programs that, are, I guess, encourage and promote Aboriginal excellence, whether that's in health or sport and education, but also brings on non-Indigenous people to celebrate and be part of culture as well.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about the programs?
1: Yeah, definitely. So we run uh, education programs, so everything from transitioning young people into primary school, high school, have 200 young people on scholarship programs across years 10, 11 and 12, but also support young people through university, have uh, Aboriginal employment programs where it's based around culture and, and getting young people to have respect for themselves and others and then going out and having success, successful careers. Uh, we work with Aboriginal entrepreneurs to help grow their businesses and promote uh, Aboriginal businesses across the sector to uh, yeah, provide that employment opportunity and, and growth and money back into, into Aboriginal communities. And then we work with a bunch of and a whole lot of different sports around sport and healthy lifestyles. So providing those key messages and providing access into elite pathway programs, but not necessarily just the, the elite side of things, just getting young people out and playing sport and being healthy and, and happy. And then in cultural arts programs, So we do a whole variety of, of different arts programs uh, and have our young people singing language to arts painting, uh, dot paintings and carving, a whole whole list of different things along those areas as well.
0: You're also the largest Indigenous foster care agency, that's correct?
1: Yes, yeah, so that's the other side of the business. Uh, Kari Limited is the, the largest out-of-home foster care agency in Australia.
0: This year's Reconciliation Week theme is More Than Words, Reconciliation Takes Action. What are your thoughts on this?
1: There's been a lot of talk, whether it's, whether it's corporate Australia or government, around doing programs or say when we're doing programs, but not a lot of action has been done or money not spent in the correct areas. So... I guess we work with, especially at the Kari Foundation, work with like-minded people and organisations that really want to drive change. And it's not necessarily just having something down on a piece of paper. It's actually getting out there and and delivering employment programs or programs that change the rhetoric around Aboriginal Australia.
0: We talk about action. We talk about driving change. In New South Wales, I think one of the key things that I've been working with is the establishment of a Court. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, most definitely, look, we're one of the most incarcerated peoples across the world. So anything we can do to to change that and, and look at different different models and different ways is, should be 100% supported and, and looked into.
0: Why is the establishment of the court a good thing? What does that do?
1: The establishment of the court and having it Aboriginal-led or Indigenous-led provides, I guess, that responsibility but also – an avenue to look at things a little bit different and, and look at the whole situation and not just, you know, the offence that's been caused moving forward and I guess understanding how, how the situation or how it got to a situation that those those people are, are in that position as well.
0: What about recognising and accepting the Uluru Statement? How important is that as a stepping stone and as an action?
1: Yeah, most definitely. And, and I think that comes back to what we, we just spoke about too, about, you know, making actions and not just words because – It was an amazing piece and if you sit down and actually listen to the words, it's a beautiful piece put together by Aboriginal people with Aboriginal thoughts and and it's a connecting piece and people talk about reconciliation as, as something that's hard to do. It shouldn't be hard, it should be easy and we should all be on the same path and we all should be working towards something that is acceptable to everyone.
0: Coming back a little bit more to the Kari Foundation and the seven pillars that frame the organisation, sport and healthy lifestyle, providing access to participation, mental health being, social interaction and elite pathways. We've had a lot of discussion on Could You Voice around the use of exercise as a mechanism for addressing and helping in mental health. Where do you see these things sitting in and how important it is?
1: Yeah, most definitely. I think uh, when, when people get out and have that exercise and you know, just the adrenaline and the testosterone and, and things like that, it makes you feel better. It makes you sort of you know, really want to participate. And and group sport also helps on that as well. So you know, getting young people out of a house and into a group, group sport activity away from computers and social media uh, and working together, money can't buy what what the value is in having team sport and having access to team sport as well.
0: Kane, there's been a fair bit in the media recently around Black cladding, Indigenous procurement. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, look, the you know the policies around uh, Aboriginal or Indigenous procurement are, are great, and they're really meant to benefit Aboriginal communities and bring Ab- Aboriginal communities to be able to flourish for themselves. But it is, it's disappointing when you see organisations that are, that are black cladding that they might be. Fifty one percent owned by, by an Aboriginal person, but the profits aren't going to that person. And as a government, they we we all need to stand up, and not just the government and say that this is this is not acceptable moving forward.
0: So there needs to be accountability processes in place? Well,
1: most definitely. And yeah, you know, if if you're you're definitely getting out there and saying you're an Aboriginal organization, you need to show it you need to be employing Aboriginal people, you need to you know have, have the have the Aboriginal people forefront and center in the business, but also earning the money as as it goes along as well.
0: There's been a fair Bit in the media recently around governments giving money to run Indigenous programs, cultural programs, but those programs aren't actually run by Indigenous organisations. Again, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, I think when you when you look at it and look at uh, culturally appropriate services and culturally appropriate delivery, it doesn't make sense to me that non-Indigenous organisations are receiving money to deliver cultural programs. Yes, the, the the people in there are doing a great job but you know, to, to really empower Aboriginal communities and put the forefront that Aboriginal communities can do this for themselves, Aboriginal programs should be delivered by Aboriginal organisations.
0: Say so you are a corporate though and you are looking to have Indigenous programs run around cultural sensitivity, the loudest voices that you might be looking up and finding on Google may be non-Indigenous, you have no idea about this. What is your advice to corporates to make sure that they are actually engaging with Indigenous organisations?
1: Oh, look, it's 100%. It's, it, it is hard and it's hard in the procurement space as well because everything on the on the outside looks at – but I think you ask the questions. You ask to talk to the Aboriginal people in the organisation. There's there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. You look at the charities and is, is an Aboriginal charity run by Aboriginal people? Is 90% of their board Aboriginal is – the programs delivered to Aboriginal communities. Um, you know, take take care for for an instance that across our, our senior our senior management, I think we sit at about ninety seven percent Aboriginal run, and then across uh, the whole organisation, we sit at about eighty two percent Aboriginal employment. So I think when you look at things like that, it, it's quite easy to see uh, and take a little bit of time to have a look.
0: So your advice is to corporates, if you care, do your research.
1: Most definitely. And, and ask the questions and don't be – the only organisations would get offended if you ask the questions the ones that are doing the wrong thing. So yeah, there's definitely no issue. If, you, if someone come and ask me, show us how much uh, Aboriginal participation you're doing or what you're doing, we're more than happy to share and, and it's part of our annual report as well.
0: Okay. Now before I let you go, there are three very tough questions we ask everyone that comes onto you Voice. You must declare the best beach in the eastern suburbs – the best place to get coffee, and where sells the best burgers? Go.
1: The best beach is uh, Maroobra by far. I have to pass on the coffee because I don't drink coffee, so I, um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't really tell, but I, I, I do know Botnex in uh, Botany actually does a, a great cup for, for the people over in the Botany area. And, oh, look, I don't think you can go past Burgerhead that's just moved in as well. So uh, the great burgers there as well.
0: Kane, if people would like to learn more about the Kari Foundation or find out how they can support you, where should they head to?
1: I'd also like just to thank you as well for, uh, you know, you helped us get a van that's been able to help us deliver more programs in the eastern suburbs and to see it driving around. It's very loud and very uh, very proud on our side. So just thank you first for that. Uh, but if people would like to get involved, please go to kari.org.au. So that's K-A-R-I.org.au.
0: Kane, thanks for joining us on Kooji Voice. Uh, thanks very much. What an insightful interview. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the wonderful work that the Kari Foundation is doing, head to kari.org.au. You're listening to Coogee Voice.